rather than just jumping in, I, I want to tell you that um, uh, this week, today, I'm preaching on alcohol, and I had uh, very little motivation to prepare the sermon, to work on the sermon initially, because I, it's interesting, when we talk about alcohol and the church, there tends to be such strong emotions on something the Bible says very little about, especially historically in the last hundred years, the church has uh, been stirred up a lot over this issue. And basically, I didn't have much motivation because I knew all the drama. Um, So I'm going to tell you this. Where the Bible speaks, I'm going to speak. And where it doesn't, I want to be silent. Deal? All right. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we thank you for your truth and your word. We thank you that you speak truth to us in many areas. And we want to conform our lives and bend our hearts to your word. And we ask that you would speak this morning. And may we make the main thing the gospel of Jesus and following Jesus. And I just ask that your word will come alive today in many different ways that we may not have expected. In Christ's name, amen. Since I'm speaking on alcohol, (laughs) um, there's this country singer, his name is Toby Keith. He sings a song called Red Solo Cup. And it's a drinking song in line with uh, other famous drinking songs like uh, Garth Brooks' Friends in Low Places or uh, Jimmy Buffett, um, Margaritaville. And in this song, he calls the Red Solo Cup his friend because the cup contains refill after refill of beer. And the more that he takes in or whoever is getting the refills, the inhibitions start to drop away. And then... Once they drink enough, they can say whatever they want, as loud as they want. They can even start to sleep with people they would never sleep with if they were sober. And they can start to live a life of absolute freedom. And when it's all over with, and they're drunk and passed out, and they wake up the next morning, then they can go search for their friend again and do it all over again. This morning, we are not going to be naive, and we're not going to assume that Christians don't struggle with drunkenness. You're not fooling me. This is a temptation for Christians to get drunk, whether it's going to be on campus in a little while at Dillo Day, or some of you will be out drinking with your friends at a restaurant, or in the privacy of your own home, many of you will drink too much and get drunk. And you have a lot of reasons for doing this. Maybe you are just bored, or you're stressed, or you're depressed, or you're trying to medicate something, or you're just trying to feel more free. Whatever it is, you may not drink out of a red solo cup, but many of you have turned to your friend alcohol over and over again. And this morning, we're going to see what the Word of God has to say concerning drinking, alcohol, 
drunkenness from the book of Proverbs. So why don't we go ahead and turn there. Proverbs chapter 23. We have been going through the book of Proverbs for a while now, almost a year. And the book of Proverbs says a little bit about alcohol and drinking and drunkenness, but it doesn't say many positive things. There's a couple of verses about how wine is a blessing from God, but on a whole, the Proverbs have a very negative take on alcohol with regard to drunkenness. And those are the verses that we're going to look at today. And so I want to just kind of get you organized what we're doing today. We're going to look at the negative aspects of drunkenness from Proverbs, and then we're going to consider a positive alternative, and then we're going to kind of branch out to the rest of the Bible and and try to develop a Christian approach to alcohol. Ready to roll? Well, let's do it. Let's start with the drunkard's riddle. All of us like a good riddle. So let me put up a riddle just to get you ready for the riddle of the drunkard. Here's a riddle. See if you can guess it. It goes like this. I can be long or I can be short. I can be grown and I can be bought. I can be painted or left bare. I can be round or square. What am I? Anybody? Come on now. The answer is fingernails. Oh, yeah. All right. So now you see how riddles work, okay? Are you with me? All right? Okay. No more of that riddle. Let's look at the riddle here, the drunkard's riddle. Verse 29. All right? Here it goes. Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has strife? Who has complaining? Who has wounds without cause? Who has redness of eyes? What's the answer? It's easy. It's a drunk person. Uh, Look at some of these uh, questions that tip you off. This woe and sorrow mentioned here could be the compulsion or the addiction of drunkenness. And you see the word who has strife. That could be family problems with friends or coworkers. And and many of you have, have histories of family problems and strife due to drunkenness. So you know this. Uh, who has complaining and wounds without cause. This is the drunk person getting beat up while they were drunk or bumping into things. And the redness of eyes comes from the intoxicating effects of alcohol. So the drunkard's riddle, check this out. It highlights the emotional problems, the relational problems, and the physical problems that come from drunkenness. And get this, they are all self-inflicted. So it's on the drunk person, whether it's a man or a woman, it's on you who creates these problems and drunkenness. Well, let's look at the answer to the riddle as it starts to flesh itself out in verse 30. The answer is, those who tarry long over wine, those who go to try mixed wine, do not look at wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup and goes down smoothly. In the end, it bites like a serpent and stings like an adder. So this person who has this self-inflicted emotional and relational and physical problems is the one, if you notice, that tarries long over wine. And the admonition in this text is, don't even look at the stuff. It may go down smoothly and taste so good, but it bites and it stings. And for those of you who struggle with drunkenness and drinking too much, 
Do not deceive yourself into thinking that you can just have one or two occasionally. You are not even to look at the stuff. Look at the effects of drunkenness. Verse 33. Your eyes will see strange things. Uh, hallucinating effects of alcohol. And your heart will utter perverse things. You know, when a drunk person is moving toward drunkenness, their heart exposes themselves through their mouths as they say very, very perverse things. I, I go to a Chicago Bears football game once a year, and it never fails that around me are just drunk people saying the most silly things perverse things that they would never say unless they were drunk. And one of the things that I've noticed, even among Christians who get uh, a drinking, let's say I, I go out with some friends who are drinking, not all of them, but one of the things I've noticed, even among Christians who start to drink, is they start to say silly things. You ever notice that? Things that they would never say if they weren't drinking. And so, though it may still be legal for them to drive, it should be illegal for them to speak. Yeah? Are you with me? Oh, here, you can have the keys and drive home, but would you please quit talking? For whatever happens, the foolishness comes out the more they drink. Be aware of that, okay? Even though you're not getting drunk, what are you saying while you're drinking? Will your heart start to utter perverse things? Notice verse 34. You will be like the one who lies down in the midst of the sea, like one who lies on the top of a mast. Here's the seasickness of drunkenness can make one wobbly and unstable. Isn't it amazing how the Bible is so descriptive of a drunk person? Verse 35, they struck me, you will say, but I was not hurt. They beat me, but I did not feel it. When shall I awake? I must have another drink. So the drunk person, he has his hangover, he's like, what happened to me? I have bruises all over my body. I didn't even feel it. Oh, yeah, you got beat up last night as you try to pick a fight with someone, and the drunk person starts to recover from their hangover, and they're like, when can I have another drink? It's not a pretty picture. And let's add one more verse from the Proverbs onto this. Proverbs 20, verse 1. Proverbs 20, verse 1. It says, wine is a mocker, strong drink a brawler, and whoever is led astray by it is not wise. Whoever is led astray by drunkenness is not wise. I'm going I'm to make sure you get this little imagery here. Wisdom, not wisdom. You cannot be getting drunk and think that you're going to be wise. Just don't go together. You cannot be getting drunk and thinking that you're going to walk with God. For those of you who have been turning to the, to, to the drink and getting drunk recently, you, you may have noticed a significant hindrance in your walk with the Lord. You, you know that, right? And you know how you just feel like you're, you're doing something foolish, and you are. You're stuck in something that you, you know that's harming you and others, and there's just no wisdom to it. So what I'm going to try to do now is, is turn to be a little bit more positive and try to show you that those of you who are stuck in drunkenness, there is freedom and there is a way out. I want to kind of give you a before and after picture. All right, can I show you a before and after picture? Let me put it up on the screen. First Corinthians 
6, 9, and 10. Let me put it up. Here's a little before and after picture. This describes the Christian before he was a Christian. Or you do not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Very strong language. Drunkards will be shut out of the kingdom of God. That is strong language from the Bible. But look at the way the passage ends up. I'm going to put it up as well. 1 Corinthians 6.11. And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. When a person becomes a believer in Jesus, this change happens. This passage is very clear. It's saying this is the way you were, but this is the way you are now. And the question I have for you is, how does that work for drunkards? How do we have someone who's getting drunk all the time, comes to Christ, and change? How does that work for drunkards? All right, you with me? It's like this. When Jesus was on this earth, he hung out with sinners. So much so that the religious people, this is no joke, the religious people called Jesus a drunk. They did. And it's not that Jesus was getting drunk, but he was hanging out with sinners who were probably drinking too much and getting drunk. But you know what? Jesus loved the drunkards so much that he hung out with them. In fact, he eventually ended up dying on the cross for drunkards. Yeah. And the, the good news is that he bore the wrath of God in the place of drunkards. And he was buried and he rose again. Here's the good news. All you drunkards out here, you can turn from your sin and put your faith in Jesus Christ and you'll be washed, clean, made new, filled with the Spirit, clothed in His righteousness, forgiven of your drunken ways, and you'll have the ability to change. But some Christians still want to go back. They still want to go back to their old ways, and some still slip. One of my favorite authors is a guy named Brennan Manning. Maybe you've heard of him. He wrote a book called The Rag Muffin Gospel, and he has recently died. He was an older man, but he battled the bottle. Even when he was a believer, he would go speak at Christian conferences and then go to his hotel room and get trashed. And what he needed and what he was receiving eventually was brothers and sisters surrounding him, encouraging him, showing him there is freedom, there is another way. And if you're here this morning covering up your issues, and, and maybe your friends know about it, maybe your wife knows about it, maybe your husband knows about it, but not too many people at EBF know about it because that would be too embarrassing for you, you need to know that you have people here that will walk with you to encourage you, to show you there is freedom, 
there is a way out. There, there are alternatives to drunkenness. There is another side. Within the last few weeks, a new nightclub has opened up in the Chicago area. It is called The Other Side. Maybe you've heard of it. It is a non-alcoholic nightclub. It was opened up by a guy who was obviously had some massive addictions. And he said, okay, now I'm free from these addictions, but people who are free still need a place to hang. And so they have this nightclub with a bar that does not serve alcohol. And over the bar, they have pictures of those who have been addicted, who have died. And it's a reminder to them is that we, we don't want to go there. There is the other side. There is another way to live. There is an alternative here. And as Christians, for those of you who are struggling, we're here to tell you, there is another way to live. There is the other side. You can be free of this. And I think one of the greatest verses in the Bible that gives this, this other side, that gives us this alternative to drunkenness, is found in Ephesians 5.18. This is a great verse. It means a lot. But look at this verse, Ephesians 5.18. I'll put it up for you. It says, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. So rather than being filled with wine and drunkenness, be filled with the Spirit. Now, try to understand this first. Just as alcohol used to control the person and make them do all types of crazy stuff, now have the Spirit control you and start to live a life of holiness unto the Lord. May the, the Spirit cause you to submit to the Lord, to desire His ways, to want to serve other people. So rather than serving the master of alcohol, start serving the master of the Lord by being filled with the Spirit. And so, of course, we want to encourage all of us to do that. But for, if you are struggling with alcohol, we want to say there is another side. There is another way to live. You can be filled with the Spirit. You can be free. You can start to serve others. You can start to turn away from your addictions and find freedom in Jesus Christ. And you can do it here. We want to be with you and walk with you and encourage you that there is another way to live. There is another side. So it's almost like that was the first part of the sermon. Now we're moving to the second part of the sermon. And what's interesting is to see how things change throughout the decades for Christians and how they approach alcohol. I was reading somewhere that when Puritans were sent out as missionaries, they would have a stipend of alcohol to be sent with them. But if the things I'm about to say in this next portion of the sermon about 100 years ago would surely get me fired, for sure. If I said these in a church 100 years ago, I would be out. But with integrity, I'm going to try to be honest with what I see here, and you can fire me if you want to. So here we go. Let's consider the Christian's relationship with alcohol. Here we go. Is drinking alcohol by a Christian forbidden according to the Bible? No. Is drinking alcohol permissible according to the Bible? Yes. But here is a better question to ask. We're studying Proverbs. What's the better question? What's the question we've been asking all along? The question is, is it wise? 
is it wise for you to drink? And some of you will answer the question, yes, it is wise for me to drink. And some of you will answer the question, no, it is not wise for me to drink. Now, what I, what I want to try to do, rather than have you guys judge one another for the way that you land on this, I'm trying to get you to check your heart and see what does it look like to see what's going on with your own motivations and how we can live in Christian unity from this issue, with this issue that's been very divisive over the decades. So that's where we're going. And here are the things I'm going to talk about. I'm going to talk about the wise abstainer, the wise partaker, and the wise observer. And I think that those three categories right there probably describes everyone in here. The wise abstainer, the wise partaker, and the wise observer. I don't want you to raise your hands. I don't need you to stand up to show me what group you fall into. Let's start out with the wise abstainer, the person who is chosen on wisdom, based on wisdom for their lives, that they are not going to drink alcohol. Some of you have chosen not to drink alcohol because you see the abuses in our society and you see the drunkenness in our society, you see the devastation in our society, the drinking and driving. You just see the big mess in our society and you've decided that it is not wise for you as a Christian to drink alcohol. And some of you may have even developed biblical convictions. We can go on all day about this, but some of you really believe that according to the Bible, that you believe in studying the Bible that the alcohol content described in the Bible is much less than the alcohol content that exists today. And so for you, in wisdom, you decided that you don't have anything to do with it. In fact, you even see it as a missional matter, that in order to be missional, you want to be distinguished from everybody else who is drinking in the world, and you want to show them, look, there is another way to live. We can actually exist and have fun without having to drink. And so for you, to be missional is not drinking. Or maybe you have struggled with drunkenness, or maybe you have a family history of abuse. Maybe you have seen the devastating effects of alcohol, and you've chosen in wisdom that you are not going to drink. So for you, you are the wise abstainer. You're not going to have anything to do with it. You're going to walk in wisdom and choose to not drink. But there's another group of you who are the wise partakers. This is the person who is of legal age, hello, legal age, don't break the law, this is the person of legal age and they drink for the glory of God. And some of you, you decided, you know what, I am going to enjoy God's good gift. He has given it to gladden the hearts of men and women and I am going to enjoy it. And it's not that you're blind because you clearly see the abuses, but in your mind, just because there's sexual immorality in the culture doesn't mean you don't want to have sex in marriage. And just because there's gluttony everywhere doesn't mean you don't want to enjoy good food in moderation. So you have said, you know what? God created alcohol to be enjoyed, and I'm going to enjoy it wisely. And for you to be missional is to go out into the world and start to drink alcohol without getting drunk. So you'll never drink out of a red solo cup. No, not for you, because that's just straight-up drunkenness. You have learned to drink with wisdom. And so you're around other people, and they're like, wow, 
How do you control yourselves? How do you not get drunk? You say, you know, this is God's good gift to be enjoyed with moderation. And so for you, you are the wise partaker. And then the third category is the wise observer. This is where I would place myself. I don't know about the wise part, but I'm more of an observer. I do not have a history with alcohol in my family. Did not see it in my home growing up. It was not one of my major sins that I participated in in high school or college. It was not spoken about in my childhood church. It just was not in my life at all. I, I don't really care too much for the way it tastes. So I, I don't, I'm not really the wise abstainer or partaker. I don't have major convictions one way or the other. I want to be wise in the way I think about these things. But on a whole, I don't think about it much at all. And maybe that, some of you, just not your thing. You don't really see it one way or the other. You just kind of observe what's going on. It's not that you don't care, but it's just you're not into major convictions one way or the other. So here's the deal. As an observer and as your pastor, hopefully I'm going to speak some truth to you right now. Because most of you are either wise abstainers or wise partakers. And what I want is for you guys to live with unity when in the past these two groups have split churches, have gone after each other in very uh, uh, sinful ways. So I want to kind of encourage you, like how can we live in unity in a church where people are going to have different convictions over this issue? I think a very helpful passage, which I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share with you, is it comes from the book of Romans, Romans 14. Romans 14, I think, seems to be a good chapter on how to treat one, one another when we have different convictions on permissible things. Now, if you ever study Romans 14, the issues they're talking about there on what foods can be eaten or not eaten or which days should be observed as holy or not holy, and there's, 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 Paul's just trying to get them to, to, to live with one another in unity when they have different convictions on different things with regard to what kind of food should we eat and what days should we observe. So I think Romans 14 is a good grid to run our differences through concerning alcohol. So the first admonition I'm going to give you is number one. Do not judge one another. Romans 14.10, I'll put it up. Romans 14.10. Paul says, why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. So here's the deal. If, If you're an abstainer, don't judge your brothers and sisters who are partakers. And, and don't assume that those who drink alcohol are less spiritual. That they're somehow immature Christians. That if they were mature Christians, they wouldn't drink alcohol. And those of you who do drink alcohol, please do it without the, without the attitude, without the sarcastic remarks concerning those who don't drink. I mean, way too much attitude from those who enjoy it. Alcohol, man, just, just chill out with the attitude. Quit, quit judging those who choose not to drink. Just understand that both can have a wise decision, and this can happen in a way where we do not judge one another. Who judges? God judges. He knows the heart. And on this permissible issue, where it's not black and white in the Scriptures, but a gray issue, we are to live with unity and harmony with one another. 
second thing I want to say is do not trip one another up. Do not trip one another up. Listen to the word of God in Romans 14, 13. Romans 14, 13 says, Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. So not only do we not want to judge, but we don't want to do those things that are going to cause others to be tripped up in their walk with the Lord. So if you are in an ethos community, and there is someone in your ethos community in your small group who struggles with alcohol or who is a recovering alcoholic and they have issues, you don't need to be talking about all the beer that you brew. It's just unnecessary. It's just common sense tells you don't be talking about that stuff in front of them. Don't trip up your brother. Let's be wise in the way that we act. Let's not trip one another up. And also, do not use alcohol as a weapon. And I know many in the younger generation use alcohol as a weapon against their parents. Their parents for whatever reason, told them the evils of alcohol. Maybe they grew up in the church on the evils of alcohol, and now they are free from their parents, and so now they drink to spite their parents. What are you doing? You're probably not even enjoying it. You're just doing it because you want to get back at your parents. Don't use alcohol as a weapon. Let's be wise. If you want to enjoy it, enjoy it for the glory of God, but don't use it just to get back at your parents who, who would always rail against it. And for those of you who choose to abstain, don't badger your brothers and sisters who do drink. Don't badger them. Don't say, man, you should feel guilty. You should feel guilty doing that. Don't badger them. Let's not trip one another up on issues such as alcohol. If we abstain or if we drink, may we do it to the glory of God, but let's not trip one another up. And lastly, point three, be filled with the Spirit. Here we come back to the same issue we talked about previously. Be filled with the Spirit. Romans 14, 17. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Please do not make your abstaining or your partaking the main focus. The main focus is being filled with the Spirit and living a life of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Let's not make whether we're eating or drinking that big of a deal. Let's make a big deal us being filled and lifting up Jesus. When I was at my last church in, in the Los Angeles area, um, I had to sign a statement with the denominations, a different, different movement than I'm a part of now, and I had to sign a statement that as I was the pastor of the church, I would never drink alcohol. That was the history of that movement, and that's what they were asking all their pastors to do, was to not drink alcohol. And I was fine, I signed it, and I would go to pastor's conference And I would be with many, many pastors, eat with them, worship with them, and they would not drink alcohol. But you know what? So what? That wasn't the main point. We were filled with the Spirit, and we gave glory to Jesus. Then I came to this church. And I will never forget, I went to my very first elders' retreat where I would eat with the elders for the first time. And just about every elder ordered alcohol with their meal. And I thought, well, well. well. (laughs) I must be in a different context here. But was alcohol the focus? Was alcohol the point? No. We were still filled with the Spirit. And we were still lifting up Jesus. So no matter what context you're in, no matter who you're with, that's not the point. Alcohol is not the point. 
being filled with the Spirit, worshiping Jesus. Our movement that we're part of is the Evangelical Free Church of America. They actually have this really cool tagline right before their doctrinal statement. Let me show it to you. It says this. In essentials, unity. In non-essentials, charity. In all things, Jesus Christ. So when it comes to the essentials, the clear teachings of the Bible, of sin and the need for a Savior through Jesus, and that Jesus is the only way, we are unified on the essentials. But when things are not so clear with issues such as alcohol, then we'll have love for one another. But what's the main point through it all? The main point is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the focus. Jesus Christ is greater than drinking alcohol. Jesus Christ is greater than not drinking alcohol. So whether you drink, you drink to the glory of God, and you focus on Christ. If you don't drink, you don't drink for the glory of God, and you focus on Jesus Christ. So whoever you are, if you are partaker, abstainer, or observer, as a unified body in Christ, we want to give glory to him as we live in Christian unity, all for his praise and glory. Let's pray. Lord, I just ask that there are those in here who have been struggling recently with alcohol, that from today they will not go back to it. And if we know of our brothers and sisters in Christ who are struggling with alcohol, may we go to them today and say, hey, I'm here for you. I am here for you to show you there's another way to live. There's a way to be filled with the Spirit, and I will walk with you. If we know someone in here who is a believer, who is struggling, or someone within our church who is struggling, may we not ignore them. May we not assume that they're going to figure it out on their own. May we walk with them today. May we stay close to them today. May we not get a judgmental attitude. May we not try to trip one another up. But may we encourage one another to be filled with the Spirit. And for those who partake, those who abstain, those who observe, whoever they are, may they not make the partaking and the observing or the abstaining the point, but make Jesus Christ and lifting him up and bringing all praise to him the point, both now and forever. In Christ's name, amen.